I love his presence. Let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll get into the word for today. Lord, we love you so much. I just want to take a moment to just bask in your presence, Jesus, that is so tangible in this room. Lord, we don't take it lightly. We don't take it for granted, Lord, that you show up every single time that we call on your name. God, you are so present with us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've done in our lives. We thank you for your word, O oh God, that is a lamp unto our feet. We thank you, Lord, for always guiding us, always speaking to us, and not leaving us as orphans, God, but preparing a place for us so that you can come back and take us to be with you. We love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. The message that I have today is come and die so that you can live. So I was so blessed that you said that during your transition because I just feel like it's a word from the Lord when we're in sync like that, you know? We got the same Holy Spirit and when he's speaking. So each one of us in this room today have been called, set apart to do the will of God here on this earth. What's wrong with this thing? Okay. Well, we have all been set apart to do the will of God here on this earth. Each of us has said yes to the call of salvation. We are Christians. We are Christ followers. We are supposed to be Christ on this earth to others. We also said yes to a full-time call of ministry. But we have to understand that when we said yes to Jesus, we said yes to dying to ourselves and dying to the things of this world. And sadly, we know very, um, it's very clear to us in our, in our day and age that the American church is asleep and it needs to be woken up. They've been deceived to believing that Christianity is no more than marking off a census that says I'm a Christian. We have preached a cheap gospel that it doesn't cost them anything a feel-good message to make them feel comfortable where they're at. We have compromised with the world, and we have become more desperate in this day and age in this country to read about our favorite sports teams rather than reading the Word of God. We have Christians that are consumed with the entertainment-type Christianity, the big lights, the big names, awesome speakers, they are consumed with that, and the church is reaping what it has sown. If you walk with the world, you're going to start to look like the world. It is so grieving when we see churches not doing what they have been called to do, what the Scripture has commanded them to do. It is so grieving when we see Christians that profess with their mouth Jesus but live a double life and have not died to themselves. A Christian or a Bible college student in this room that spends more time in their day watching TV, keeping up with the Kardashians, playing video games, or anything else rather than seeking God is not doing Christianity right. And that is not to say that those things are bad. You can enjoy yourself. Go have a good time. Go rest. Go, go laugh with your friends. Go do all that stuff. But you have to be able to take inventory of your life, take inventory of your week, look back and see, what did I give my best to? Did you give your best to playing your video games and gave God your leftovers and your good night prayers and that's it? 
What are you giving your best to? God should give, have your best as a Christian. We need to reevaluate our lives if that is what we are struggling with, giving our time to other things and not even praying, not even reading our Bible. That is not true Christianity. Our yes to Jesus is a yes to pick up our cross every single day, deny ourselves, and follow him. Every example that we have in scripture, every disciple's life that he said, come and follow me, what did they do? They left everything behind to follow Jesus. That is our example. They couldn't keep one hand on their family and one hand on Christ and follow him completely. They couldn't keep one hand on their possessions and one hand on Christ and follow him completely. The call to follow Christ is a complete call of surrendering it all to him. Letting go of what you did have and leaving everything behind so that Christ can be all in you. Self-denial is giving up your own ways, your own dreams, your own desires, the future you thought you had for yourself and completely surrendering it on the altar. Come on, have you done that in this place? Any of you? Amen. Come on. I want, I want to hear you when I ask you those questions. We have to understand that there is truly no other way to live in Christ but to die. We have to die to self to truly live. I want you to turn, please, to Matthew 16, 21 through 27. I was so blessed to hear one of our interns preach on a Sunday. He read out of the same scripture, a very similar message, and I'm also reading a book by Dr. Michael Brown right now. And it has inspired me to share this message with you today. But Matthew 16, 21 through 27, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Come on, we've heard it so many times. We don't want to be called Satan by Jesus, okay? You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but the merely human concerns. Let's keep reading. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can someone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and he will then reward each person according to what they have done. We have to understand this image right now of someone carrying their cross. Imagine Jesus carrying his cross literally up the mountain to be crucified. He was carrying the thing on his back that he was going to die upon. So when Jesus is giving you this illustration right here, you have to not take it like it's not something. He's actually talking about death, right? Don't take it like he's not talking about something serious here. He's talking about a cross that you you need to go die upon, right? When someone is carrying it, they're carrying the very thing that they're going to die on. They are leaving everything in this world behind. They're never going to see their loved ones again. There was nothing that they could take with them to the cross. When someone's dead, they're dead, right? 
They can no longer do anything. They can no longer speak, see anyone, any of those things. Taking up our cross is not a comforting moment, nor does it go along with the Christianity that we see in this world today, rather in America today. We do see it in the world, right? Praise God for our brothers and sisters all across the world that are literally dying for the name of Jesus. But in, in America, and God wake up America, but in America, this does not go along with American type of Christianity. Our instincts alone, our human instincts, will tell us to run the other way. This is not comfortable. I need to take the road that's the easiest, that's the most comfortable for me, that I'm going to feel good upon. That is our human instincts. But see, verse 25, it said, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Come on, Jesus was saying, though it may not feel good, the first step to true freedom in Christ is first dying to self. Just as Christ became sin for us so we become like him, we must also identify with his suffering, his pain, his loss, his death, and that in him we must, we must also rise to new life. This new life given to us, a life of power, a life of prayer, a life of faith, a life lived by the Spirit of God. We cannot experience that resurrected life if first we do not die. And we need to get to a place of full submission in our hearts and in our souls where we are able to cry out, Father, not my will, but your will be done in my life. And in verse 27, it says, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. He is talking about this. He's going to reward people according to this if they laid their life down for him or if they did not. See, and people that did not lay their life down for Jesus, that did not pick up their cross and follow him, their reward is just this life. As long as it may be, that's their reward in full. You got to live, you got to breathe, you got to eat, you got to be successful, you got to have an employment, you got to do all those things, right? That's your reward in full. But for those that pick up their cross, follow him, deny themselves, what we get is everlasting life with our Savior in heaven, amen? Come on, a life where all the wrongs are made right. We only have an average of about 80 years on this planet if you get to live that long. Some people don't even make it that long, right? An average 70 to 80 years in comparison to eternity, it is but a speck. In comparison, it's like going to a beach and picking up one grain of sand in the midst of all the other sand. Do not waste your time trying to hold on to something that in reality you can't hold on to anyway. You, there is no promise that tomorrow will even come. Don't hold on to your life. Let it go. Pick up your cross. Follow Jesus daily and give it to him. Amen. The Bible says in Psalms 103.15, As for man, his days are like grass. He blooms like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it's gone, and its place remembered no more. This is what our life is like on this earth. James 4.14 says, What is your life? You are a mist 
that appears for a little while then vanishes. And yet we have people trying to hold on to it. It's a fleeting thing. It's a thing that they can't even grab. And they're trying so hard to hold on to it. But not us in this room. We're going to pick up our cross. We're going to deny ourselves. We're going to die upon that cross. We're going to follow Jesus in full submission to him, giving him our will and our desires. Amen? Amen. And we have to understand when us as Christians are crucified. We have this language all throughout the Bible. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. It is Christ that lives in me. A crucified man is no longer able to sin, is he? A dead man, is he able to come back and still have his lustful desires and do all those things? No, he's a dead man. He can no longer do any of those things. We need to see ourselves the same exact way in, let's turn to Romans 6, 6 through 7. Come on, this is what will happen when we said yes to Christ. We were crucified to our flesh. We should not be partaking in the sinful nature anymore. 6, 6, so it says, For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Come on, do I have any people who have died and been set free from sin? Come on, amen. Let's turn to 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2. This is how I want to live my life every single day. 1 Peter 4, 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Come on, as Christians, we no longer have this right to sin. What a different message that we are saying right now that we hear preach today in other churches, in the Church of America. Too many pastors have gone soft. They don't preach so hard against sin because then they would need to preach that message to themselves. I know I've shared this with you before, but the reason a preacher preaches a compromised gospel to others is because that is the gospel that he wants to hear. A reason a pre, uh, you can be sure that whatever compromised message a preacher is preaching, that message he has already been preaching to himself. We need to preach the truth to ourselves. We need to preach the full gospel to ourselves first so that we can then lead others in that same message. We also must crucify our flesh first so that we can now lead others to do the same. You might want to take that from him. He's falling asleep. If you could turn to Colossians 3, 5 through 9. Come on, this next scripture, Colossians 3, 5 through 9. This should put the fear of God into any Christian. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Come on, why is the wrath of God coming? Because people have not put to death sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, and so on and so forth. We need to understand if we do not live a crucified life to the sinful nature, the wrath of God is also coming for that. Hallelujah. 
In 1 John 1, 9, we do know, though, that the Bible says that if we sin, it doesn't say when, it says if, that God is faithful, right? He's going to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's read it. 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So when we come to Christ with these type of sins, if you were to fall as a Christian. God is faithful and just to forgive you, but he doesn't just forgive you, he purifies you. You don't stay in that place. Now you're able to be purified and continue to walk out this life in Christ and will no longer be in danger of the wrath of God. Too many people don't understand what it means when they say yes to Jesus. Their yes to Jesus is a no to this world, right? And a no to their self. Any yes to anything else is a no to Christ. So taking up our cross is the ultimate form of self-denial. This self-denial is not one where we actually need to like hurt ourselves, right? I've seen people with their crazy stuff. What is that called? Like they, they try to imitate the, the pain of Jesus. Like I'm going to literally take the pain, I know, <laughs> pain of Jesus upon myself, self-denial. I'm going to beat myself into submission. That is not what the Bible is talking about. Amen? Don't do that. <laughs> but it's an understanding that your life is no longer your own. You belong to Christ, and you need to walk out that truth every single day. We have been so spoiled in this country with luxury. Most of us in this room have never gone hungry. And if you have, it hasn't been for a long period of time. Most of us in this room haven't slept without shelter. Most of us have had a roof over our head our entire lives. We have luxury. We've been given education, wealth, fair employment, and all of those wonderful things. And Christians in this country, too, have been so comfortable being comfortable. They don't even understand what denying themselves means anymore. We have the truth inside of us, yet we still hide it. People have been called to make disciples, to preach the gospel, deny yourself, deny yourself the embarrassment, the shame, all of those things, and go out and do that. And Christians don't do it. Churches don't do it. Where are they? Why are they not on the streets preaching? That is what the Bible has commanded them to do. Many of them are too busy, right? Busy Christians, busy bees, too busy with church, too busy with ministry, too busy with other things that they've been called to do. But we know by A.W. Towser, he had a saying, it said, it's not that people don't want God, it's that people have found something they want more than God. And I know that's a great example for someone in the Bible, the young rich ruler. If you can turn to Matthew 19. Why are people not doing what they have been called to do? Because they found something they want more than God. They found ministry. They found their church. They found the comfort of right here. I don't have to be embarrassed here. You all know me here. I'm good here. Out there, they don't know me. They're not going to respect me. They're not going to call me pastor. They're not going to do those things. But here, it's comfortable. 
Here I can hide. Come on, Matthew 19, verse 16 through 24. This is a great example. Just then, the man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept. I love Jesus because you know he already knew that, right? Like he already knew what he was doing. He was setting him up. He knew the next thing was going to be like, oh, I've done all that. Okay, well, let me give you this next one. He said, all these I have kept, the young man said, but what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. The rich young ruler wanted wealth more than he wanted Christ. Is there anything today that you want more than Christ? Is there anything today that you are holding on to, a relationship, money, a job, a future, whatever it is in your life, is there anything that you're holding on to in your hand and Christ is saying, letting go, and you're saying, uh-uh. It's like the picture. I love the cover photo that you have. That is like one of my favorite pictures of the little girl and Jesus, and he has a big old teddy bear, and she's holding on like, no, I want it so bad. And he's like, just trust me. Like, let it go. I got you. <laughs> Come on, we need to deny ourselves. We need to love Jesus fully and say, God, your will and not mine in my life. It's time to die to ourselves. Come on. And we know that without death, there can be no resurrection. Let's go to John 12, verse 23. It says, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. There is no other way to experience fruitfulness in our lives without first dying. There is no way to experience the glory of a resurrected life unless we die. Hudson Taylor said, we know the Lord Jesus became fruitful not only by bearing the cross, but by dying on it. Everyone loves the glory, right? Everyone loves the spirit of God moving. Everyone loves that. But they don't understand that there is no glory without the story. You cannot reap the benefits of a resurrected life without first sowing the seeds of a crucified life. The ministry God has for you will not be fully experienced until you truly deny yourself and pick up your cross and fully depend on Christ. God has called us to do things that are impossible with us to do. He has called us to make disciples. He's called us to preach to nations. He's called us to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to see the lame healed. 
With us, it is impossible. He has called us to destroy the works of Satan on this earth, to cast out demons. We can't do that by ourselves. It is only with him that those things are possible. And it will not happen unless we are fully, fully dependent on him. Let's go to Philippians 3, 10 through 11. I want to encourage you this morning. It says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Come on, that is so powerful to understand and participate in the suffering of Christ. So just like him raising from the dead, we too will raise up with Christ. Right? We sing that song here. Thank you, Father. Come on. For raising me up with Christ. I could never take credit for this life. Come on, God is so good. We need to be able to be raised up with Christ. You cannot be raised up with Christ without first being dead. Things are not resurrected unless they are fully dead first. Come on. And as you deny yourself, pick up, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow Jesus and die upon that cross, I want to encourage you to never look back and to keep your eyes on Jesus. If you can turn to Luke 9, thank you for your help. 9, verse 57. The Bible says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus said, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. If our eyes are on Jesus, we have no time to look anywhere else. If he has our attention, we will not have time to start peeking back at our old life, peeking back at, at what we, our own desires, what we wanted, what we had in the past. We need to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Amen? Give him your gaze. Give him everything. Keep your eyes on him, no matter the circumstances that are happening in your life. And I want to give you a final example of someone that looked back. If you can go to Genesis 19, 19 verse 16. This is the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And God was so gracious to Lot and his family to get them out of there before he, he destroyed the place. And let's start in verse 16. It says, When he hesitated, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them safely out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. 
See, we have to understand when God gives us a command, he actually means it. When he says don't look back, he actually means don't look back. When he says anybody who, is, who looks back, who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom is exactly what he means. As soon as they had brought them out, one of them said, flee for your lives. Okay, we read that. Verse 18, but Lot said to them, no, my lords, please, your servant has found favor in your eyes and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life, but I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look here in the town near enough to run to and, I, uh, and it is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. Keep going. He said to him, very well, I will grant you this request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly because I cannot do anything until you reach it. By this time, Lot reached Zor. The sun had risen over the land. The, the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Come on, we've learned about that so many times from Pastor Joe, right? You know that. It's like the Lord said to my Lord. <laughs> we know that part. <laughs> Thus he overthrew those cities and the entire plain, de destroying all those living in the cities and also the vegetation of the land. Come on. <laughs> but Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Come on, this is a lesson for us today. We have been called to deny ourselves. We have been called to pick up our cross. We have been called to be crucified to our flesh. And if we put our hand to the plow and look Back. We are not fit for the kingdom of God. Let Lot's wife story stick out to you this morning and help you not look back. Her looking back showed her disobedience, her discontentment, a lack of reliance on the Lord, a lack of trust. And he said, you are unfit to keep on going on this journey. Come on, we need to crucify our flesh in this place, die to ourselves and never look back. Amen? Amen. Let's come uh, to the altars and stand on our feet. Before we end, I just want to sing this song. Maybe Malia can come and help me. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, God is so good. You can turn off my effect while I talk, please. Come on, I want you, each of you, even before I start playing the music, just to lift your hands between you and Jesus. Come on, I want you to tell him that you want to follow him, that you will deny yourself, that you will leave it all behind over and over and over again for the sake of Christ. He is worth it. He is awesome. Come on, he is worthy of our lives. He is worthy of it all. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Hey, Josh, if you can grab this mic and go ahead and pray us out. Lord, I just thank you, Father God, oh, for saving us when you did, Lord. Oh, Lord, letting us die to ourselves, God, and picking up our cross daily, God. Oh, that we may follow you all the days of our lives, Lord. Lord, that the past has nothing good for us, God. Oh, Lord, but as we walk towards your cross, God, and we lay all our problems at your feet, Lord, we see your will, God, and we align it with our lives. Lord, in everything that we do, we do it unto you, Lord. That there is nothing of ourselves but only you, God. Oh, Jesus, I pray, Lord, as we uh, go today, God, that we see you in everything, God. Lord, and as we quiet ourselves in our prayer closets, we hear your will, God. And we know the things that you have for our lives, God. Oh, Lord, I pray right now that we've all decided, and there's no turning back. There's no good thing for us there. Oh, but, Lord, to look at you, God, and know that you have everything good for us. You are a good, good Father. Oh, in your mighty name I pray, amen. Amen. Come on, give it up for Jesus.